This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I was, I was very ambitious when I decided this title, and it's not going to be covered all of it uh, in 20 minutes by, uh, for sure. But I'll try to cover as much as possible and give you an idea of what we know about the genetic history of the Americas, mostly informed by ancient DNA studies. So the, last continent to be, the Americas was the last continent to be settled by humans, and many questions um, have been debated as to where did the first people to enter the Americas came from, when did they, come, uh, did they come into the Americas, through what route, and if there was one major or two major or three major migrations into the Americas. So there has been a lot of debate in, and attempts to answer these questions. And many fields have contributed to the discussion, and genetics has been very important, but it has received contributions as well from linguistics, archaeology, paleoanthropology, paleoclimate, and other disciplines. And it is now um, kind of agreed that the first people to enter the continent did so from uh, Siberia, Northeast Asia, through Beringia, around 15,000 years ago. And we set that date because the oldest human occupation site in the Americas is Monte Verde, which is here in Chile. And this human occupation site is dated to 14,000 to 14,500 years old. So the people who first entered the continent had to do so before then and like, allow enough time for people to, to, to get here. So ancient DNA has contributed a lot to understanding um, exactly how this happened, uh, how people moved through the continent, and where did they come from. And we don't have thousands or hundreds of ancient genomes. We have only a handful uh, from, uh, from the Americas. So I will try to give you some of the insights that we've gained from studying ancient Native American genomes. So the first, first one is uh, this genome from the Ansic boy, which uh, were some remains found here in Montana, and were dated to around 12,600 years old. And uh, they were found in association with these fluted-tone spear points, which were part of the Clovis culture. And as far as I know, these are the only remains that have been found in association to these tools. So this allowed the opportunity to investigate like, the genetic affinities of the Clovis um, culture, uh, by, by studying the genome. When this genome was sequenced and compared to human populations around the globe, like contemporary populations around the globe, this heat map, flash map, uh, was generated, which basically shows in warmer colors the population. is circle is a population. So in warmer colors you have the populations that have the highest genetic history sharing. So the first thing that was observed by sequencing this 12,000-year-old individual was that most Native Americans, or basically all Native Americans, are more similar to this individual than any other population in, in the world. And most interestingly, it was found that even though it was found like in the northern part of the Americas, it was more closely related or had genet more genetic affinity to Central and South American uh, contemporary individuals, Native Americans, actually. And, and this already gave us an idea about kind of the structure that was occurring in, um, in America, in the Americas, back then. And together with this observation and other statistical uh, analysis, the authors of this study, which I should mention is uh, Morten Rasmussen, who did this between uh, Copenhagen and Stanford, well, they came up with this model in which um, there was a, a divergence 
predating uh, the 12,000 years old of, of this ancient genome, a, a divergence between the North, uh, Northern Native Americans and the Southern uh, Native Americans, and that ANSIC would be sitting here. So this, this genome um, was very insightful in that it gave us um, an idea of some early population structure in the Americas, uh, predating the age of this genome. And it also uh, gave us a, the, the, the idea that most um, Native Americans today are descendants of a population related to this uh, Clovis-associated genome. A second genome um, that was sequenced just recently and published just recently and the source of a lot of debate was that of the Kennewick men. And uh, the, the remains... Uh, of this individual were found uh, in the Kennewick area in Washington, in, the, in Washington State, and uh, they were dated to 8,500 years. And there was, uh, again, this is a study by Morton Rasmussen. This was a source of a lot of controversy because the first analysis on, on the skeletal remains and particularly on the morphology of the skull. Um, so the scientists who did this first in analysis, they said that the, the morphology of the skull was more similar to uh, contemporary individuals of Southeast Asia uh, and Polynesians. So what that led to was to um, the owners of the land, which was actually the U.S. Army, not giving the remains to the Native American tribes who were claiming these remains for reburial. Uh, and that was just based on the, on, on the scientists who, who draw these conclusions on the uh, morphology of the skull alone. So, of course, there was a lot of scientific debate, uh, debate and because the first attempts to extract DNA were un unsuccessful, um, there was uh, a lot of controversy and litigation for many years, uh, at least nine years. But finally, um, this group in Copenhagen, they're, they're very good at, at this, uh, were given the opportunity to try again so, to do some genetic analysis, and they were able to sequence an entire genome of the Kennewick man. So the very first observation is that it actually falls within Native American varia uh, variation, just like that. So it's, this is a PCA plot similar to what Johannes just showed. These are native, contemporary, contemporary Native uh, Americans. These are population from the rest of the world. This is Europe. So that was the first uh, result. This individual is Native American. And when looking at the genetic affinities more uh, within America, it was shown something similar to what was shown for ANSIC, for, for the ANSIC individual. It shares more genetic history with Central, Central North and South Americans than with, than with other Native Americans from the North, even though it was found here. But it was also interesting to find that Tribes for the same area uh, where the Kennewick man was found also shared uh, a high level of, of genetic uh, ancestry with, with the Kennewick man. So this added like, another um, piece of evidence about the past genetic structure in the Americas. So again, with this observation and more uh, sophisticated statistical methods, what uh, this study proposed was that so this was the original branching between North, um, uh, Northern Native Americans and Southern Native Americans. The ANSIC sits here as an ancestor to modern uh, South and Central Native Americans. And that there was another branching here, and Kennewick is here, and um, that gave rise to Pacific Northwest Native Americans. Uh, but that there was so followed by some gene flow from East Asia, that probably obscures a little bit the genetic affinity of the Kennewick to the uh, Pacific Northwest Native Americans. 
So this was a, a very important contribution and not only gave us insights about the, genetic, the past genetic structure of the Americas, but it also helped resolve um, that this, this controversy about whether Kennewick man was Native American or not. And now uh, just an additional report supporting this was like published three days ago probably, so it hopefully uh, put an end to this litigation and this remains, well, we don't know because many tribes are claiming the remains, so maybe there will be yet another debate. But anyway, this is what we learned from the scientific standpoint. And the third genome I will tell you is this uh, about is the, this from the Sakak Paleoschema, which is very interesting because it was sequenced from a tuft of hair, and this hair was preserved for around 4,000 years in the permafrost in southwest Greenland. And this is um, an artistic reconstruction of the individual based on genotype, uh, like phenotypic information that was taken from the genome uh, that was sequenced. So this was actually the first ancient human genome to be sequenced, and again, uh, it was, this was done in Copenhagen by Morten Rasmussen and colleagues. So what we learned about this genome was also very interesting. So the Sakak individual was found here, but the genetic affinity, surprisingly, or not to some, are not to modern contemporary uh, Greenlanders. So this individual is genetically more similar to individuals from Siberia, like Chukchis and Koryaks here. So what this indicated is that there was probably a past migration, like predating 4,000 years ago, probably five to 6,000 years, a migration from East Asia to oh, Northeast Asia to the Americas that was later replaced by um, a population that gave rise to modern-day Inuits. So these are like three single genome studies, uh, but thanks to the developments in next-generation sequencing, we have been able to generate now um, multi or se well, yes, complete or semi-complete uh, genomes from different uh, individuals, more than just one at a time. So we use um, we generated some genomic data from multiple individuals to test one particular hypothesis. This was part of a larger study, but my contribution was testing this Paleo-American relics hypo hypothesis. So again, based on this um, morphology of the skull, it was suggested that the very first people to enter the Americas, and for which we have remains, like for example, Lucia from the Santa and the Peñon woman, which are, who are really, really old, that the morphology of this skull is more similar to present-day people from Melanesia. Some, some scientists suggest that, that there was a first migration of people with this Paleo-American skull that was later replaced completely by, uh, by Siberia, like the first migration I mentioned, and that it was a complete wipeout uh, and replacement. But that there were some uh, relict populations, because um, based on the morphology of the skull of some individuals who are in isolated parts of the continent, like the Pericus in the tip of Baja California and the Fogo Patagonians here, these have a particular uh, skull morphology that resembles also Austro-Melanesian. So this was the theory, and we wanted to test it. So we sequenced uh, partial genomes from 17 individuals from these supposedly relic populations. And what we found, and we were actually expecting this already, was that they all fall within Native American variations. So there was no evidence of any connection to Ostromelanesia whatsoever. But more interestingly, is that we observe a genetic continuity with modern populations uh, in the same geographic area. For example, the people from uh, Fuego Patagonia in, in PCA space, um, they fall in uh, proximity to 
present-day uh, Fuego Patagonians from, from Chile, so the Jagan from Chile. And similar in Mexico, these, the Pericus from Mexico not only fell within the native, um, variation, native uh, variation in Mexico, but they did so with the northern populations from Mexico. So we were able to pin down that they were very closely similar to Tarahumaras and, and Purepechas, which are northern native uh, groups in Mexico. So, well, first we just disproved this idea of relic uh, Paleo-Americans, and secondly, we demonstrated that there is this <coughs> genetic continuity. And actually, we've observed this in many samples now, in many genomes that have been sequenced. And we observed, so as I show a, a little bit with the Kennewick man that had genetic affinity to populations from the same geographic area, but we've observed uh, this uh, through almost 8,000 years, so we have different genomes from different ages here. And what we've been observing uh, continuously is that there seems to be this genetic continuity in the Americas, and that is in, in contrast with what Johannes Joe showed of these massive demographic shifts. Um, so the Americas, at least Central and South America, the north, northern part seems to be a bit more complex, but at least Central uh, and South have been kind of very stable for many thousands of years. So that's interesting. Uh, a question that hasn't been resolved quite yet is if there were three or two migration waves into the Americas, different groups uh, with different data sets uh, from modern populations support one or the other. So there's one uh, model that says that there was one major migration that gave rise to most Native Americans, followed by a second and a third that were mostly just Northern Native Americans. And there is another uh, model that, instead of suggesting a second migration, suggests that there was divergence within America of a northern and a southern branch. And that this occurred within America approximately 13 years ago. And something that has been uh, a bit puzzling for us who study genetic diversity in the Americas is the observation by two independent studies of something that looks like gene flow from uh, Austro-Melanesians or Papua New Guineans or a population related to contemporary Papua New Guineans and Melanesians, into populations in the Amazonian, like the Chavante, Surui, and Caritiana. And two independent studies have identified this signal, although yet we don't have a good explanation of how or when this happened. So it's, it's very puzzling, actually. And um, just for, for the last part, I want to make the point that so far, I've just talked about the peopling of the Americas, but there's actually much more genetic history in the recent 15,000 years, of course. So I think we can use ancient DNA to investigate, and, or a combination of ancient and modern DNA to investigate uh, other like, regional aspects of the history of the Americas. Uh, an example here, for example, is the peopling of the Caribbean. By its location, you can argue it could have been people from Florida, from the Yucatan Peninsula, or from South America. And now uh, using combining data from modern population, modern Caribbean population, and studying the Native American fraction of this population um, and comparing to a reference panel of Native Americans, uh, it, it has been suggested that it was people actually by South America, here facilitated by the Orinoco River. And we have been able to kind of... Uh, prove this with ancient genomes, from Taino genomes. Um, and I'm just showing here a, a, an example of one sample from Cuba, from Chorro de Maita, Cuba, which also falls in the genetic variation of Arawak speakers, like Guajibo, Piapoco, and Ticuna. So this is another way where we can, we're complementing 
information from modern and ancient population to resolve a question about a particular event in, in history. And um, I'm also doing something along the same lines. I don't have the time to tell you more about it, but we're doing something similar in the peopling of the Patagonia, at, like the very last part that was people in the Americas. And lastly, I want to make the point that we can also use ancient DNA even in historical times, but for events in history where the historical record is sparse. So um, I'll just show you an example where we use ancient DNA to learn about the past uh, history of people brought to the, to the Americas as a result of the transatlantic slave trade. You can argue that there are historical records about this, but this exact origins of people in Africa that were brought to the Americas, that was basically not recorded. It's kind of absent in the historical record. So we can also use ancient DNA to reconstruct some of this history. So in this very, very quickly, it was a pilot study where we had three individuals from, from the Caribbean, and we wanted to know where in Africa were they from. They were found in the same burial site. And by comparing to a reference panel in Africa, we sequenced fractions of their genomes. We were able to find that one of them was more closely related to Bantu-speaking populations, and two of them were more, was, uh, were more closely related to non-Bantu-speaking populations. And we had evidence to argue that these three people were put in the same uh, embarkation and brought to the Americas together. But the, we are really missing information about how culturally diverse were the people who were brought from Africa to the Americas. So just to summarize, most Native Americans, because I, I went through something very general, like the peopling of the Americas, to something super specific about an episode in the history. But I want, to, I want you to take these messages uh, home. So most Native Americans trace their ancestry to a single migration uh, from East Asia to Beringia between 15 and 20,000 years ago. If there was one, uh, two, or three subsequent migration waves, it's still under debate. There is evidence of Asian gene flow from populations related to Austro-Melanesians into some Amazonian populations, although we don't know exactly how that happened. Um, the sequencing of ancient genomes from the America has complemented the knowledge generating from studying genome-wide data from modern populations, but we, st we still have very few compared to Europe, for example. And this last point is also something very important for me. Ancient DNA research can also be useful for investigating other aspects apart from the initial peopling of the continent. I think we put too much attention into that that we've forgotten about the more recent history or prehistory. Uh, like the source populations of, uh, in Africa of the people who were brought during the transatlantic slave trade. And with that, I'll conclude, and thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.